we have our own um, sports in Ireland. We have uh, Gaelic football, which is like a cross between maybe rugby and soccer in, in many respects. And then we have a, a sport called hurling. And hurling if it is like field hockey cr- mixed with lacrosse, mixed with a little bit of murder. Uh, <laughs> it, it is the fastest wheel sport in the world. And I would definitely encourage anyone listening to go to YouTube and check out hurling. It is, uh, it's a fantastic sport. But both Gaelic football and hurling are amateur sports in Ireland. So nobody's paid to participate. Hey guys, before the episode starts, I'd like to give a quick thanks to all my supporters. Uh, it's greatly appreciated that anyone who, who listens to this podcast supports it. It's, it's, it's very uh, nice to know that people are willing to help out with this and, and that they see it to be something worth investing in. Uh, right now, it's just faith. Uh, thank you again, whoever you in, you are, um, for, for you know donating to this podcast. It's by no means an obligation, so anyone listening to this, don't feel like you need to give me any, any kind of financial support for this. Um, any, any is appreciated, but again, I'm not going to ask that of you guys. I don't like to ask you guys to pay for a, a product like this. It's just something that I like to do for fun. So um, yeah, definitely not required, but but greatly appreciated when it is. I also like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Anchor. Uh, there will be an ad for that halfway through, um, but Again, just thank all of you for so much for for tuning in every episode and and just giving your your undivided attention and, and support and it means so much to me. So thank all of you and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host Brandon Black, and in today's episode, we're going to be taking a little bit more of a, a dive into the education systems, a little bit less in agriculture, but we're going to have some of that in there too. Uh, today, to talk about this topic with me, I have my guest Colm, uh, and if I pronounce that wrong, please let me know. But I'm going to let him give his own little introduction here. Hi, Brendan. Uh, great to have the opportunity to chat to you today, all the way from Dublin, Ireland. No, you're spot on in your pronunciation. I am Colm Cronin. I work in education as, uh, I guess, an academic advisor in, in many respects, though currently with, with a focus on international students and uh, recruitment as well. But I worked in the higher ed sector for about 15 years or thereabouts, and I host a, a podcast with a colleague in California. So I'm, I'm used to this transatlantic collaboration and uh, dealing with time differences, and that's adventures in advising. So anyone out there who is interested in, in higher ed, you can uh, check us out wherever you get your, your podcasts. And uh, I also have a, a podcast about the Denver Broncos because I'm a big Broncos fan. So <laughs> I, say, I think I spend my, my time. It's interesting. I, I love Ireland and then we'll probably talk a little bit about that. But um, I, I also operate a lot on American time between that, the Adventures in Advising podcast, been watching Denver Broncos games. So I'm either on Pacific time or Mountain time or Irish time. Sometimes <laughs> it, makes, it makes it interesting. I, I can tell you that. But uh, delighted to have the opportunity to talk to you uh today awesome well i'm happy to have you on and happy to hear that you're uh you're almost almost more american than you are irish <laughs> <laughs> All, almost I, uh, I i i think a good dollop of everything yeah no, that's awesome glad to hear it 
so before we jump into our conversation today, and, and as you mentioned, it's going to be mostly about, you know, the education system, kind of the United States versus, versus Ireland versus other parts of the world and that sort of thing, upper, you know, upper education versus lower, all that. Um, before we jump in, as I do with every guest I have on this podcast, uh, would you mind telling us if, if you have any uh, experience in agriculture or any history in agriculture in your life? Uh, not, not specifically. So I come from a family of farmers. My grandparents were farmers and their parents before them were farmers. Um, we go all the, all the way back. Mm. Uh, but in, in Ireland, obviously the tradition was for the, the farm to, to go to the, the eldest boy. So my mother wished she was still a farmer, but uh, she didn't get the farm. So I would have visited my uncle's farm growing up and uh, he had a, a dairy farm. So I would have um, been around that and, and, and experienced that. But no, I, I grew up in, in a town. I'm, I'm a townie, as we would say, in, uh, in Ireland. So that, uh, that's my experience. But uh, Ireland is a, a nation famous for farming and, and famous for agriculture. And I know that we export a lot of dairy products, uh, even, to the, even to the United States. Mm-hmm. So so uh, Kerry Gold Butter is quite famous. But um, as for me, no, I, I didn't grow up a farmer. Ah, well, hey, you know, that's, that's okay. I mean, you, you got more experience than half people on this podcast anyway. So that's awesome. <laughs> and I definitely can appreciate you, you know, coming from a country that is so rich in agriculture, as you mentioned. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone knows Ireland for their potatoes, but they're very rich in other aspects of agriculture as well that often get overlooked. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad to have somebody from, from that side of the that side of the world on here so yeah it's uh it's good i mean it's interesting because i where i did grow up was actually um part of county cork mm. and um i am kind of in the northeast of cork which is very close to the tipperary border and that area is really known as the golden vale and it was an area where they um not only dairy but I guess a, a lot of crop growth and particularly in South Tipperary, uh, huge farming country. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Might have you on for an episode just on Irish agriculture. <laughs> but as we mentioned, that is not the topic of today's episode. Today, we wanted to get more into the education talk. And as this is an educational podcast, uh, I wanted to, to pick Colin's brain here on a few of the things that, that he's talked about in his own podcast and some of the things that he's noticed as in terms of differences between um, our education system versus his own. So uh, I guess that's probably a, a safe first question. You know, having, having worked with somebody from California, have you noticed any major differences between our education systems? Yeah, um, there definitely are so, some differences. And I suppose, particularly when you look in the higher education sector, so in Ireland, I think one of the, the major differences that, that I see between the Irish system and the U.S. system is in Ireland, our, ed, our higher education courses tend to be um, a railroad. So you kind of, if you're studying engineering, you take engineering courses. Maybe you add a, a language to that. Um, and at the institution that I'm at, which is Dublin City University, we have what's called the uni module, which recognizes, I suppose, work outside the classroom. So if that's with a club or a student society or a volunteer organization, but that's even relatively new in Ireland. So it tends to be very, very focused. You don't have the 
gen ed subjects that you do maybe in, in an American context and you don't have people generally choosing or changing majors like you do in, in the American system. So wh when you are 18, you essentially decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to do accounting and finance or I'm going to do computer science or I am going to do liberal arts and that is your focus throughout your generally a, a generally a four-year degree though um, you can do a three-year degree in Ireland as well but the vast majority of degrees at university level would be um, a, a four-year degree so that's one of the the major differences that that I see and I, I think probably the other is is cost, um, the, the cost of, of education, particularly for um, domestic students in Ireland, is significantly less than it is for American students in the United States. So we have what's called a, a student contribution, and that student contribution is about €3,000. And that is still in the EU, that's still quite high if you, if you were to compare it to some other EU countries. Um, but obviously, in comparison to a lot of higher ed institutions in America, um, it, it's significantly less. Mm -hmm. Now, because of that, there might be differences, I suppose, in terms of some of the facilities that one can access when I visited campuses in, in America and you, you kind of look at particularly say some of the sports facilities and, and mm -hmm. things like that but those are two of the maybe most immediate differences that I would see. Okay interesting so I kind of assume that cost would be one of them um, I know that a lot of different uh, European upper education systems don't tend to have the, the systems that we have in terms, like you mentioned, like the general ed idea. And that oftentimes your, your field of study is kind of your field of study for the entire time. And in the United States, as I'm, as I'm sure you've learned, we have a, a very high uh, rate of, of people changing their major throughout, throughout their you, uh, upper education experience, you know, for pretty frequently. I mean, I know, I know many of my friends have changed their field of study probably three or four times already. Um, you know, I, I luckily haven't been one of those. I haven't changed my field of study yet. I'm, I'm three years out from finishing my degree or two years from my degree, one year from my credential. But um, yeah, no. So I, I'm not sure. Is that something that, that you guys see in, in Ireland quite a bit? Like do people change their field of study or is it pretty consistent with them sticking with it? It's pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. if, if you are to change, you can look to transfer, but a lot of the times, because you tend to specialize, those credits won't transfer over. Mm. So you might get somebody who might change institution. Maybe they're studying in, in Dublin and, and then something changes and they want to study in Galway, which is in the west of Ireland. So they might move to Galway and, and then there might transfer might be possible if they're moving into, say, accounting and finance and they've been studying that in, in Dublin as well. But in terms of changing tack completely, generally in Ireland, that would mean that you'd have to go back and start from scratch. Now, sometimes that does happen, obviously, um, but because you are going back to begin, you know, a, a new degree, essentially, it means that it is uh, far less common than I would say it is in the United States. Oh, interesting. So do you see that... Uh 
I, I guess my question is like, why do you think that is? Like, is there more incentive for uh, students to kind of have their stuff figured out before they get into upper education or is, or is it more of like a, you know, there's just, there's less, uh, you know, there's less variety in, in paths to take or what, what seems to be your, your idea on that? I think it's a little bit of everything in, in, in terms of what you've outlined there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are, there are few, there are fewer options in in some respects i think you know once once you add you know once you add costs to things people want more options Mm -hmm. and so that's part of it um and i think there are probably um you know some some swings and roundabouts to that i'm I'm even thinking about say the the work that i do and, and have done and people working in in student support services or student affairs in Ireland, there aren't generally the qualifications that you would see in America. Like in America, you have specific qualifications in student affairs. Mm -hmm. You don't tend to have that in Ireland. So the people working in that area might come from, you know, they could come from any background. A lot of the times they'll come from humanities and social science. But I suppose that that is um, one one thing where there it's it's broader, particularly at the degree level. Um, you, you you might you know you would specialize more maybe at postgraduate, what we would say postgraduate level, graduate level, um, and and then again at the um, doctoral level at, at PhDs. But even we would have fewer. Um, educational doctorates, um, EDDs, um, you know, in, in Ireland, the vast majority of doctoral programs are PhD programs. So I think it is, um, I think when you look, look at the American system, the, the options that, that are there, um, it, because of, I suppose, the, the investment that is that goes into higher education there in terms of the fees and also in terms of generally if you make a donation um, to an educational institution in America my understanding is a lot of the times that's tax deductible and that is not the case in Ireland and so you don't see maybe the the level of um, of philanthropy coming into an educational institution that you might ordinarily get in in America. And again, so in terms of different levels of of funding and and different funding models, I think therefore um, that probably is is one of the the reasons that you have kind of fewer you know, fewer options at, at that d- degree level. I mean, the, the majors are there. And obviously, look, if you, if you were, to, we're talking about, say, being a, a medical doctor and then going on to, to do surgery, you know, you can specialize in terms of, do you want to be an eye surgeon? Do you want to be a brain surgeon? Do you want to be, um, you know, a pediatrician, etc. cetera. But um, particularly I'm thinking maybe in the, again, in the humanities and social sciences, I think they, it tends to be a much broader um, degree uh, that, that you would get over here. Interesting. Huh. I mean, that would make sense because, you know, like, like you mentioned, we do have very specified degrees uh, upon, you know, graduating with, with our, with our undergrad before we go into even a graduate program. Um, 
So that, that's, that's interesting. Uh, one of the things I did want to touch on, so you brought up the cost a couple of times. And one of the things you mentioned uh, before, you know, uh, when talking about the United States systems and why, you know, why our schools tend to cost more might be related to the facilities available. Um, so going back to that idea with, with, you know, as, as I'm sure you learned, the United States is obsessed with sports and athletics. Um, uh, what, what do you think, um, what, what role do you think athletics play in, in both the cost of, of schools and also the school's viability as a, you know, as, as an institution and, and how does that differ from, from your own system? Um, I would, it, it, it's very different here. Um, mm. certainly because college sports are, I mean, they're an institution. I mean, I, I watch say college football games and you have you have more people at a college football game often than NFL games. Mm-hmm. So your your college sports are are sometimes bigger than your professional sports. And the NFL is is the biggest sports league in America. And yet mm-hmm. here you are, and you look at Michigan, um, you know, and 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 a Michigan home game, or you look at Penn State. Mm-hmm. And we've had those, you know, we've had teams travel over to Ireland. They bring huge numbers when Notre Dame come to Ireland. College sports in Ireland are. It's totally different. Professional sports are where, you know, the 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 money is, and therefore much bigger. And Ireland is, you know, it's it's a small little island, um, and so, or like, what's interesting is we love sport in Ireland. We all sports are, are so big here, which has actually maybe hurt us in terms of, you know, you look at some smaller nations where they might be just to focus on soccer, mm-hmm. and they tend to do really well in that. But we have our own um, sports in Ireland. We have uh, Gaelic football, which is like a cross between maybe rugby and soccer in Mm. in many respects. And then we have a a sport called hurling. And hurling is like field hockey mixed with lacrosse mixed with a little bit of murder uh, <laughs> it, it is the fastest real sport in the world and i would definitely encourage anyone listening to go to youtube and check out hurling it is uh, it's a fantastic sport but both gaelic football and hurling are amateur sports in ireland so nobody's paid to participate mm. and we have an all-ireland championship that takes place and we have in our Krog Park, where the final takes place, holds 86,000 people, which for, you know, an island nation of, of in and around probably between seven and eight million is a pretty sizable stadium. And it's packed. It'll be packed for the final, packed for the semifinal, even all the way through the championship people watch. But there, I suppose that that tends to be the focus for Gaelic football and, and hurling. Soccer is interesting because we are so close to the United Kingdom. Um, the the Premier League is where the best soccer players tend to go, and they actually don't. T- so they don't go to college. They tend to go to England when they are fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Uh, some of them, you like, you'll get every now and again, you'll get somebody who who goes through college and then maybe plays in the League of Ireland and then goes to the UK, but it's a much rarer occurrence. So, um, I, I would say that the the college sports, while they are um, a big part of the the culture of, of the university, you're not getting you're not not getting thousands of people you're not you're probably not even getting hundreds of people going to watch maybe maybe the 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 
the rugby finals or or maybe the the Gaelic or or football uh, or sorry, Gaelic or hurling um he, but he he said the Fitzgibbon I mean it's it's competitive but the emphasis tends to be outside of college sports mm. so they they exist but not nearly at the the level that um, you would see in the United States in terms of, especially in terms of, um, I suppose, fans or supporters or, or, or people getting involved in that. Like, I, I love sport. I watch all sports. And yet, when I wa- was in university myself, I really didn't go to watch the, the university teams. It, it wasn't, I suppose, where I found my home in, in the university. I would go to watch the Cork City team who played in the League of Ireland, but I didn't go to watch University College Cork, which is interesting in and of itself. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, American football um, and the, the Trinity, where I, I worked at Trinity College Dublin, they have a team. So I used to go out to, to watch. They would probably be 20 30 people wa- watching um so sport i think is a, and college sport is so fundamentally different here and the the people who coach it um you know tend to be uh, you know they're not being they're not being paid huge salaries so when i look at say you know uh, duke or um you know uh, UNC or I look at the the big football schools I mean it is such a world away from what we have over here and and I think I I think there are like benefits and 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 drawbacks to to both because you know um, I, I think that that sport can really help you create an identity and and a gives people something to get behind and even very often like so all the sports teams in an american institution will very often wear the same colors right they have the same mascot same logo and that isn't always the case at irish institutions i think we're getting a little bit better than that but certainly when i was in college like the 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 soccer team and and the hurling team very often wore different colors so you know there wasn't that kind of um that that way of getting behind the the institution i mean when when i see certain colors right you you immediately know which institution it is when you think of texas a&m when you think of usc you know those colors and i think that is something that's why i'm i think fascinated by college football and 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 and, you know um always revel in the opportunity to, to to go and experience that in america because it is so different but obviously you see huge amounts of 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 money go towards that um and I, I think it's it's probably, you know, a little a little chicken and egg, uh, you know. And I think that's probably, uh, so, you know, if you have a big sports program, you get a huge amount of of, of funding from all sorts of different sources. Um, so if you didn't have that big sports program, would you get that funding? And yeah, I mean, you you could probably argue about that till the cows come home. I, I don't know the the answer. I'm not I'm not um, you know I don't I don't have enough knowledge of the American system to know that. But it is absolutely incredible to watch it from 
this side of the Atlantic mm-hmm. and to see the, the sheer numbers because it's just not something that, that we would get um, here. But equally, when I, you know, um, and I suppose that, that's kind of the equivalent when, when you see like the professional right, game in Ireland isn't professional, it's amateurs. So it's similar, like we have 86,000 people who go along every September to watch the final of the All-Irelands. And, and then I tell the, because I'll very often bring study abroad students to those games or things like that. And I say, oh yeah, those guys, they're going back to their job as a, a bank clerk tomorrow or, you know, a teacher or car salesperson whatever it happens to be and they're looking then you know there's 90,000 people here cheering them on and tomorrow they got to go back to work it's like yeah that's what they're doing <laughs> that's crazy yeah. yeah no I've definitely I I've learned over over the years that you know sports is treated very very differently in the United States than in most other countries but um, I think in, in the school system is definitely playing a larger role than it would in, in most other institutions in pretty much anywhere else in the world um, I mean, my own school, you know, Fresno State University, uh, I'm sure you might be familiar. Um, you know, our football program is is huge. You know, people people come from all over California and some sometimes even out, out of state just to watch our games. And I actually have quite a few friends who their only reason they even went to Fresno State is because they grew up going to Fresno State games. So it just kind of shows the impact that the sports can have, even on attendance of the school, you know, let alone just the the culture around the school. But it definitely does play a role. I mean, people, you know, people live for for sports and, and they support schools because of their sports programs often. So it's it's definitely, you know, whether whether like you said, it's a chicken or the egg situation. So whether or not, you know, the impact was was from the sports being included or if the sports were included because of how big the schools got is you know a a different question but regardless it still has a a very massive impact on how the school is is perceived as a whole I I would say Mm -hmm. yeah and it it creates that that community and I suppose it allows for real engagement uh, in a way between current students and former students Mm -hmm. so your alumni are, are still very much part of the community and you know I'll have I've got fortunate to have friends all, all over the United States and you know they they so when I go over and visit and they're like oh let's let's go because it's it's homecoming weekend it's always like there's such a buzz um so I have a, a collection of t-shirts and hats uh from universities all over uh the United States uh but yeah the the, the buzz around sports can be fantastic yeah no that's awesome so I think that, that that pretty much wraps up my my sports questions. So moving on to the the next one I had, and this is again about about, about California um, upper education systems. So as you know, as we've mentioned, you've you've worked with a, a California upper education system uh, representative, I guess you could say. Um, so I I'm I'm going to assume that you know at least a little bit about about how our systems work. Uh, so I'm 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 going to assume you're familiar with the UC system, the mm-hmm. University of California system. So uh, what are your observations about that system and you know is is there anything like that in in ireland at all do you guys have a a chain like a network system like that i know that the uc system is is fairly uh, unique to to california i think other states have similar systems but not not quite like the uc system so what i I don't know what what have you learned about about that if anything yeah i mean it's i suppose what's interesting is um it's it it is i mean it is i think unique to not just california but unique in 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 many respects uh in in american in some in some ways we 
we don't have like we have um what was known as the um nui system mm. um and and so you, you had a, an, i suppose a number of different institutions that um kind of fell under um the the nui um banner but i i, I think that it it never it was it was never in the same way and and even like you used to have um, U- University College Cork, University College Dublin, University College Galway. And, and then Galway actually became NUI Galway and you also have NUI Maynooth. So they, we, I mean, we're, we're, um, we don't have a huge number of universities. So they, they fall under the, the NUI banner in, in many res, um, respects. Um, and UCD and, and UCC and, and, and even like UL fall, they all fall under that, that banner because that is the, essentially the awarding body for degrees but outside of um like Galway and and Maynooth sharing the NUI name and UCD and UCC sharing a name there there aren't um there really aren't that that many connections it's not like the um NU that there's an NUI president who oversees um or makes decisions um, the the universities in, in Ireland um, have a representative body in terms of the Irish Universities Association, um, and then there there are kind of wider. Um, we have our um, technological universities, which are relatively new here, the institutes of technology and the private institutions, and so they all have have kind of different bodies. Um, universities can award like award their own degrees. So if they they set up um, a new degree program, then as long as the NUI body recognizes it, then it will be recognized. Um, whereas for maybe the private colleges, they have to go through a process with. Um, QQI, um, who are Quality and Qualifications Ireland, and and so they actually there's a there's a huge process where they kind of have to to to, to go through and ensure um, that it's um, signed off on there. So in in Ireland, it like our our third level um, sector, we have actually just um, received or there a new position has been created within government for a minister for higher education um, I, I guess it, it formally fell under the department of education so we've always had a minister for education and there were kind of junior ministries as they were called who were um, looking after higher education but Universities have become, and particularly around research, and I'm sure this is is the same, um, you know, around the world. But research and research funding has become so important, and Ireland has been fortunate in that our our education system, going right back, you know, to being the land of saints and scholars, and that that we've always had an emphasis on education and we have probably punched above our weight in terms of um, research funding and things like that. But I, I think higher education is go, almost going undergoing something of a sea change in the last um, 
maybe decade or or 15 years and um we we were seeing huge numbers of international students and we still see significant numbers but i think you're seeing investment in um in universities in asia that maybe at a level you you hadn't seen previously and so research funding opportunities are increasingly competitive and so we have created this ministry for um higher education with a focus on one on on the research aspect um side of things and then i think also just in terms terms of um, the, the wider aspects of, of universities and um, I suppose the, the student engagement and it, it is like university in Ireland while it, it, it is undergoing I suppose such a change from even when I went to, to university um, which what uh, was was still in the twenty first century, but seems just because it was just a de- over a decade ago, seems just such a a different period. So, um, g- one of the the differences I see is, um, I suppose, at that time, we actually had a free fees initiative in Ireland. So a lot changed after the economic crash, and so there were you were people. It was. What maybe maybe people didn't take it as, as seriously in some in some way some people didn't but um, it it also allowed for maybe more of a of a freedom um, to I guess try try different things um, so again swings and roundabouts a, li- a little bit but um, I I think that you you've seen that change the economic crash happened and research funding became really important and Irish universities needed to find a way to compete. And so they began to really recruit internationally. And I had worked on a a study abroad program for a number of of years. So I had worked with it with international students. Um, But the, um, the real recruitment began after, after the crash. And so we have seen, um, uh, I suppose, a, a rise, a significant rise in the number of international students in Ireland since kind of in the last decade, which has been great and really um, added to our universities uh, in, in a fantastic way um, in terms of the academic and, and educational side of things. And also in terms of, like, I see the the broadening Inter- student societies, clubs, interests, uh, food options on campus have have um, you know improved and, and the variety has increased, which which is great. But um, we, I think we, this all started with the the UC system, and just that like uh, Ireland, we we don't have anything like that. But I, and I, I I wonder if we'll end up with something like that just that i i suppose what my point is is ha- the the way in which ireland the education system here has changed in a decade like if you looked at irish education if we went back 15 years 2005 um we had our intern we had international students um uh, but we we didn't have the the sorts of cohorts like i would say you know it a lot of institutions right now we're looking at 15 to 20 percent of the student body being international and really diverse which is great and that wasn't that wasn't the case then you didn't have the the 
the ministry for higher education, you didn't maybe have such a, you know, focus on, on research. And we've also created these, because there are so few uh, universities, there are institutes on each of, so the, each campus. So different campuses have specialize in in different things so we have at dcu we have the um, national institute for digital learning and we also have the water institute and so all of the other universities will feed into those institutes and they will have institutes at cork and at limerick and, and at galway and, and at ucd and trinity as well and they all look at different ways but there's no point in a system where you have you know eight or nine universities in them competing with one another better that they pool their resources and they look to try to win those funding opportunities so i guess my what i'm saying is we don't have the uc system but I do see a sea change in Irish higher education. I do see institutions working more closely together. And I see much more of a, a government focus on realizing the importance and the potential of, of higher education. And so what that looks like in a decade from now, Brendan, I think could be fascinating. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That definitely sounds fascinating. And it's, I mean, when you're talking about the, you know, the, the sudden shift towards, you know, bringing uh, scientific research back into things, bringing more, you know, academic folks back, focus back into things, being the land of, of saints and scholars, as you, as you brought up, um, that definitely reminds me of how our UC system works here in, in California. You know, we have we have grants that are, are dedicated to scientific research, to you know, to to you know, funding projects that can that can not only help out the students but also help scientific progression. I mean, we have uh, our U, our UC Davis here is is uh, a very very scientifically based school, and it's mostly agricultural sciences, um, mostly veterinary sciences is kind of the you know their specialty. But we even have UC Davis labs, um, you know, nowhere near UC Davis back in my hometown, Tulare, and we would have you know if we had like a farm animal get sick and we didn't know why, we would take them there and they would like do like an autopsy or a bi uh, necropsy and they would be able to tell us oh, oh yeah this this and this were what, what caused it you know and like it's kind of amazing how even though it's not connected to the school at all it still uses the school's uh, research it still uses the school's you know staffing and, and funding to to benefit the community around it so it's it's almost as if the the funding isn't just to benefit the school system it's to benefit all the communities around the school system too because of that research which i think is really really interesting i don't know if you've if you've had similar thoughts or not yeah we 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 do we we see similar things here in terms of the so in my hometown we have an agricultural research institute mm. called moor park and moor park is actually closely aligned um with um the university college cork and with the cork institute of technology and so they students from both would would work at moor park and and again if if you were dealing with um you know uh, a plant disease that uh, you know cr cr something happened with crops that's where people would go and again that that's become part of the you know a, a level of integration um so even at the um at, at dcu we d, d, like the institute i'm at dublin uh, city university it underwent an incorporation um within the last decade whereby um 
teacher training colleges. So I'm, I'm talking, um, uh, you know, particularly um, the kind of prime, what we refer to as primary and secondary school. So in Ireland, primary school is generally five to 12 and then or five to 11 and then secondary school is 12 to 18 it's generally a cycle at secondary school and so you had teacher training colleges that would that that you know produce teachers to to to, to actively teach and particularly at primary school level it, it was a it's very much a standalone degree um, and you had teacher training colleges which produced teachers for actually all over the world. They were really amazing institutions. And, um, you know, particularly back in the, the 20th century, um, Irish teachers went all over the world. But um, what we have seen, I suppose, is, um, you know, a kind of reflecting what I, what I talked about. So um, at um, DCU, St. Patrick's College was a, a teacher training institute. And so that was incorporated into DCU. And so DCU becomes, I guess, the, the, the awarder of the degree. But what it also meant was DCU gained so much because DC, St. Patrick's became um, an institute of education. And that's where our institute of education is based. So it, it DCU went, gained uh, all of this knowledge. And so we now have a lot of research so you now have not just teacher training taking place but you have P phd students um, and research into primary and secondary education taking place and you saw the same um at mayor at uh, in in limerick um you saw the same uh, around the the country whereby um the you know kind of um standalone institutes were incorporated in into the university um and so i think it was really important that um, they didn't lose their identity, but that they became part of um, just a, a broader family. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It definitely is. It's it's interesting to hear how how education systems in terms of teacher training works differently. Because I'm I'm currently studying to become a teacher, and so it's it's definitely as I talk to more people from around the world and, and hear how they're going through their teacher training. It's it's. It's crazy to me how how different it is that they get to experience so many different types of of education systems and they get to see so many different things than than what I see. Um, but no, that's 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 awesome stuff. And uh, I actually had another question related to what you just said, but you kind of already answered. It. I'm going to ask it anyways. But um, you you'd mentioned like towards the beginning of our talk that if somebody like with well, I was talking about the major change thing, if somebody wanted to specialize or if somebody wanted to study one field of of you know of uh, research or whatever and they decided to change their mind they want to say something else they'd have to almost completely transfer institutions does that and, and you, you already kind of addressed this but um does that mean that that every institution is is specialized in a, in a particular type of education because for example like here in, in fresno state we have the fresno state university and within the university on the same campus we have like the business school over here we have the, li the liberal arts school over here we have the agri agricultural school over here and you can just walk one building over and you're in the next school so is it something like that or is it like, because you mentioned you have to almost move across the country to go to a different institution for a different type of field of study. So could you kind of clarify that a little bit more for me? Yeah, no, sorry. Um, you, you can do that. I, I, I suppose that you, you have transferring and, and then you have changing course. So mm -hmm. transfer would be if you were, if you were moving institutions. 
um, and, and but re- remaining in the same course of study. Mm. Um, whereas if you are changing your course of study, um, you can you you have to start all over again in in, in some respects. Um, there might be certain things that that might transfer, but um, you could do that at the at the institution at, that you're at if if you so wish. Um, I, I think there's you know all all of the Irish universities are comprehensive universities in that they would have a business school they would have say engineering and computing humanities and social sciences they would have uh, science and health but some have particular specialities maybe in certain areas so um, for example um, if you wanted to do dentistry at Trinity College Dublin has a has a dentistry school, you can't do dentistry just at, at, at every institution. And I think any institution, there there are always going to be certain um, fields of study that are particularly strong. Maybe they have a, a particularly strong dean or head of school or or, or, or a faculty member who who's really, you know, top of their field in, in terms of research. So I think that that, that will always exist. Um, but I think for the, the universities in Ireland, most of them are, are, are reasonably broad. And so you would have a lot of options um, if, if you were start, starting over. Um, so it is possible to do it on the, on the same campus. Um, but equally, we, we would sometimes see students, you know, maybe transfer from uh, they they started in in Dublin and, and then they end up transferring down to to Cork. It, it it's not it's not that common, but it it definitely does does happen. Hmm. Interesting. I mean that that makes sense. I, when you mentioned that, I was like, did they only have one school for each type of field of study? Like that doesn't sound right. But I don't want to be wrong, so I I thought I might as well ask. I'm glad you did. <laughs> so I I know we're getting close to the end of our our time here. I did have a few more questions. I'm not going to get through all of them, which is fine by me. Um, work, I had a couple work that away. I, I can, I can, uh, I, I'll, I'll work with you as much as much <laughs> as possible. So work, work your way through. Okay. Well, I've only, I've only got three more on my list. So I'll leave it at that. Um, the next one is on, uh, you mentioned that you've worked with the study abroad program quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't you know. I really just want to know like what, what kind of people have you met? Like what people have you, like from what countries have people come to you from? Uh, what kind of work have you done with them? What kind of education were they studying that they, that brought them to Ireland? Uh, you know, what has been your experience with the study abroad program? Um, I, I suppose I, I have a, a lot of experience with it in, in different, in different ways. So I actually used to run a, a study abroad program, um, which was fortunately very successful. And that was with students from U.S. institutions. Mm. So uh, for a lot of those students, it was, there were a number of reasons. Some of them had family um, you know, who came from Ireland, they wanted to come and study. Others were interested in Ireland because maybe theater or literature or poetry um, and and others just because Ireland is an English-speaking country and their institution insisted that they had to do study abroad for a semester or something like that. So any number of, of reasons that, that people came to to uh, to that study abroad program and they would spend generally a semester or a year. Um, in the universities where I have worked, like we have students from all over the world. And again, they they come for different reasons. So 
Dublin has um, become a tech hub. It is, um, you know, the referred to as the Silicon Valley of Europe. And so for students who are interested in computing, in tech, uh, coming to Dublin makes a, a whole lot of sense because you can study, you can do a one-year master's program, you can graduate, and then we have a two-year stay-back option. And that provides, a, um, you know, a pathway into getting a work permit. And so you could, you know, for, for one year investment in your education, suddenly you open, you open the door to a career in tech. So that is obviously enormously attractive to, to a lot of students. Um, I definitely would see students, you know, who, who come over as, as well because Irish people have traveled, all, again, all over the world and, and they've heard stories about Ireland. So they, they come to, to study. So I, I have seen students from all, b both North and South America, lots of students uh, from Asia, uh, students from Africa, students from Australia and, and New Zealand. So, um, and um, this morning I was actually talking to a, a student from Russia who, you know, may, may be coming to, to join us. So it really is an incredibly diverse um, student body um, that we, we see across all the institutions in Ireland. So I, I definitely think um, Irish um, lineage plays a role for, for some students. Ireland's um, impact on, on the world and, and the fact that, you know, there's so many famous Irish writers definitely plays a role and the career opportunities that now exist in Ireland is probably the, the third largest piece that, that I see in terms of attracting people to come, come and study. The other thing just on study abroad is that in Europe, we have um, what's known as the Erasmus program. And Erasmus program is like inter-European study abroad, but it's, you actually get funding for the Erasmus program. It comes from the European Union. And so it, it me, I, I, I am I'm passionate about education that probably comes across. I, I, I really think it can be life altering for people. And, and I've seen that firsthand. Um, and I think travel and, and getting to meet people from new cultures and get an insight into their point of view is really transformative. And so Erasmus is fantastic because it allows people who maybe otherwise wouldn't be able to afford to travel to, to take um, that opportunity and to go to another country and to study um, either, you know, in their, their own language or the opportunity to learn an entirely new language. And there, there is funding um, for the, the travel. Um, there is funding for uh, a stipend while you're there. You're not going to get rich off it, but it, it makes it possible. And the other piece about it is, is that the, the, you, you only pay fees to your home institution. So that you don't, you don't pay. So if you're, you're the institution you're going to is, you know, um, much more expensive. You, you don't have to worry about that. There's an agreement. Um, it's reciprocity. So if, if, if you send a student to us, we will accept them as long as uh, when we send um, a student to you, you accept them. Makes sense. That's awesome. <laughs> no, I looked into studying abroad for a little while. I'm not sure if I'll end up doing it, but it was definitely interesting to, to learn about and, I've known a couple a couple people who have studied abroad before and, and have really really enjoyed it. Um, 
I actually got to listen to a speech by a, a veterinarian who actually went to University of Dublin for for uh, for her for her veterinary school. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, we we would get um, a lot of students from um, North America, from both Canada and the United States, who come to to study both medicine and veterinary medicine. Um, so I would have met with a lot of those students over the <laughs> the years. Oh yeah, no, that, that that's cool stuff. So I think that my next question, not to not to you know cut that one short, but you pretty much answered everything I, I had on on that point. Um, one of the things that I I think you might have brought up very briefly, maybe maybe not. Um, I, I it's been brought to my attention that the United States is kind of exclusive in in the way that we have community colleges, you know, lower division like colleges that are usually two year programs just to get rid of general ed kind of stuff and then and then moving on. If you guys don't have a general ed program, does that mean you don't have any kind of community college system either? Not in the way that you would have say community college in the United States. Um, So we have, um, we have adult learning um, and we have, so what we refer to as continue, continuing education. Um, So in Ireland, we have what's known as the national framework for qualifications and it goes from level one to level 10 and level 10 is a PhD, a doctorate and level nine is a master's program. Level eight is an honors degree level seven is an ordinary degree level um six is is a diploma and and then you work down from there so um there are pathway programs i suppose into university like it is possible for people to undertake level five study that would allow them then um depending on their what they study and, and and their results to have a pathway into a degree program to allow them to to get on to a program that potentially could provide them with a level um you know six seven or eight um depending on on what they left so you can do level five and then you could enter a degree program if you complete you know the the first two years that degree program generally you'd finish with a, a diploma if you complete the three years then you get an ordinary degree if you complete the four years then you get the honors d- degree and you can move on so there 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 are ways to to do that and you would have colleges of further education but I suppose they're not um, they're not community colleges in in the way that you could you know you, you can take com- college or community college credits and then bring those to to uh, an institution. It's it's a very different system and the way in which it works. Like I suppose one of the things that I, I should outline is is how you apply for university in Ireland is completely different completely different to how you do it in the United States. It is all run through um, a central applications office, the CAO. And so students actually don't tend to find out um, if what, what university they're going to and, and what they'll be studying until um, maybe three weeks before their beginning university. Oh, wow. Um, so it is so different to the to the American system where generally, you know, first of May is like, you know, the day everyone kind of finds out for the most part. Um, and, and this is, that's because the majority of students go through, um, they do in, at the end of secondary school or high, the equivalent of high school, you do a, a set of exams called the leaving cert mm-hmm. and your leaving cert results are, are what dictate getting into university and so the CAO is like a supply and demand system so essentially let's say um, you wanted to do um, 
actuarial sites, okay, which popular. Let, let's just say that the university only had 10 places on that. And let's say 10, like there were 15 people who applied, just to make it simple. The, the people with the, the top 10 people with the, 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 res the best results who applied for that will be offered a place. And then if they don't take it, then they, they, they are the, the next person down. But that's the CEO is like kind of works that system um, for thousands. It's you know, obviously the, the way in which they, they do it, but it is very different. So it's all based entirely off of your academics. So it, there's no um, personal statement. There are no references there. It's, it's entirely off of one set of exams, but, the CAO also, um, they do um, mature, mature student applications as well. And so they, um, they would also look a, a lot at, I suppose, though sometimes those um, further education courses, again, so it, it's not as simple as, you know, oh, I'll go here and I'll take, um, you know, maybe five credits and then I'll be able to bring those credits. No, if you're, if you're interested in doing a degree, there'll be very, there'll be a very specific path that you will have to follow to, to move into that. So it is, it is very different to a community college system, but I guess what I, what I'm saying is that there, there are ways in which if you don't, you know, go to university straight out of school, because there can be any number of reasons why that's not an option for people that, you know, there, there might, be options again further down the line. Gotcha. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot more sense. And I guess it, it wouldn't make as much sense for you guys to have a community college system because in the United States, we mostly use it as a way of cheaper education, which you guys already have, as a way of getting rid of general ed, which you guys don't have, as a way of, of simplifying you know, our, our pathway. And you guys have already had like the most simplified pathway possible. So it's kind of you know, cuts out a lot of middleman work for, for you guys. So I, that would make sense for you guys to not have a, a, a system similar to our, our community college system. But awesome, that, 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 uh, that clarifies that. My final question for you, and this is one that I, I have to ask because this is a, an agricultural podcast. Um, you mentioned Moorpark, the, the agricultural science school in, mm -hmm. in Ireland. Um, is that the only agricultural institution? And, and, and what does the agricultural education system look like both in in higher education and in in like lower education like secondary school kind of stuff look for look like for you guys um no it, it certainly isn't the um the only um more, i suppose more park is more of um a research institute so mm. it would be it would be where people could go um to, to carry out research you'd get a lot of um phd students going there but you'd also get students who are at university going there maybe to to spend some time or or to do some work in, in over over the, the summer um we do have um the uh an, an organization called um chagask which is an irish word um gaelic we we, we just call it irish uh, but it seems to be referred to as gaelic in in, in america mm -hmm. um but um they would do a lot of again um kind of further education courses so for people who are maybe working as as farmers who come into a, a family farm and maybe don't end up going straight into university or things like that. So they would, they would do maybe some of the, the more even specialized courses. So things like, 
um, machine crop, crop and machinery management or dairy herd management or horticulture, um, forestry. They would offer things like that, um, poultry management, um, and, they, and they, they do that. But they also, uh, they do offer degrees as well in, in agricultural science. Um, and they would be run, those degrees would be run through universities. So when I, I worked at, um, I'm now at DCU, but I was at UCD and UCD has, has a huge school of agriculture um, and it, it's incredibly well regarded and they, they do they have wonderful courses within that. So you can do um, a degree in Ireland in, agri in agricultural science and many of the um, universities or the IOTs would have, um, you know, d different degrees. So be it agricultural science, be it agricultural management, environmental management, um, agribusiness has become really, really big in, in the last um, maybe decade or so. Um, so although, um, you know, it is um, like it, 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 it they're, they're kind of two frameworks. So there, there is a framework for people who are working full time um, and, 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 you know, and, and are doing shorter courses, but it is possible to go straight from your secondary school, your high school and do a degree um, and do a master's if you so, if you so want. Um, so depending on, on where you, where you, where or what you want to do. Um, so for generally what you would find maybe is that you might have somebody who goes and uh, studies um, and does a, a degree in agri uh, agricultural science, then, then they might go to Moorpark to carry out either a master's by research or a PhD program. So uh, Moorpark Moore isn't the only um, ag uh, agricultural research institute either. Um, you have a number of them again around the country, given that um, Ireland has such a kind of a, a rich history um, in terms of agriculture. It's, it's the one I'm most familiar with because it, it is part of my uh, hometown and it, people always knew. And I, I knew people who worked there growing up or my um, my friends parents work there um and you you'd hear of you know um of them being involved in in different pieces but you know i i am agricultural education is enormous in ireland um and it is a huge part of university life um and the ag societies so as we say the right the the student societies um the ag student societies are always known for being really good fun um, for organizing really great trips, uh, for organizing a lot of really good um, social events uh, and, you know, can sometimes be so, particularly in Dublin. I mean, in an Irish context, Dublin is, is an enormous city. Um, again, this is a country, right, an island of seven or eight million people. Um, Dublin is about coming up probably on 1.4 million, greater Dublin. So for a lot of dubs, you know, they like Dublin is, is, is a big city and the rest of Ireland is very different, particularly if you go down south or out west. It is the, the great bucolic nation, the green rolling hills. All of that is true. 
once you go outside of Dublin. But for a lot of dubs, they grew up in Dublin. They they're not they don't really they haven't really seen that. They they're out they can go to the seaside in Dublin, sure, but to see the the, the vast open countryside. So they get the opportunity to do that. And a lot of the ag societies will like organize trips to Kerry or to Cork and do weekends away. And, you know, a lot of times you'll have students who maybe aren't studying agricultural science, but who grow up in, in Dublin and who want to, you know, experience being out in the country and, and going to a farm and seeing what life there is all about. will take advantage of those weekend trips because, you know, if you don't have to be, you know, studying on a particular course to join a student society or to go to a student society event, you pay the event fee and, and away you go. Um, so I suppose I'm, I'm aware that that um, those uh, events tend to, to be really good fun. And yeah, it, it, it is an enormous part of Irish culture. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I, like, for example, people again from outside of Dublin, right, are like jo kind of jokingly um, referred to as culties, right? And that comes from agriculture, working in agriculture. So you're a culty. So like I, in, in, in Dublin, even though I've lived in Dublin for 15 years now, technically I'm a culty because I grew up outside of Dublin. So, I mean, I think that gives an insight, even the fact that we, we refer to, and that's still used. And, and it's used um, like people like would refer to themselves and as, a like, as a term of endearment, as a culty. Yeah, I'm a bit. I'm a. I'm a big culty, and you're proud of being a culty. Um, so I think that tells you how important agriculture remains, even in 2020 in Ireland. Mm, that's awesome. No, I'm. I'm glad to hear that ag education is so huge over there. It always, always warms my heart to hear that other countries are still taking pride in in their agricultural roots, as as a, as it were. Um, no, that's 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 good to hear, especially here in the United States. You know, agriculture is huge, but it's kind of. Uh, almost being forgotten in translation. Um, we've we've had uh, massive issues with our ag education here in the United States. The the programs are great. The problem is that nobody is in them. So that's the whole purpose of my podcast is to try to bring agricultural education back to the mainstream conversations because it's interesting stuff, I think. And people tend to tend to love it once they once they get into the conversation about it. But it's just getting them there that, that's usually the hard part. So it's 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 nice to hear that Ireland has not been lost in that in that train. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 still definitely the case, and uh, yeah, I would I would encourage yeah anyone to come over and and to get out. Uh, like Dublin is a brilliant city. I, I love living in Dublin, and the nightlife in Dublin and the history and the museums are fantastic. But if you come to Ireland, get down to Cork and West Cork and Kerry and and out to to experience the the West and and see those you know old um, you know stone walls. Uh, it, it, it's an experience unlike any other mm -hmm. no that sounds that sounds so cool i've always wanted to visit ireland so i think that if i ever do i'm i'm definitely checking out all the countryside all the historical sites uh, I'll, I'll pay a visit to dublin because you know you have to but i'll i'll definitely be uh, admiring all of the farmland and and all of the all the greenery <laughs> good stuff so. Awesome. So yeah, that was that was my last question. Um, you know, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on here and, and answering all those for me. I know that uh, we probably went a little bit longer than I had initially planned for, but that's, that's all right. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was all good conversations. And I'm actually I'm putting together a, a kind of a compilation, I'm trying to get an ongoing list of research going on um, agricultural education, how it's being handled in different countries. And so this, this checks Ireland off my list, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, good so stuff, yeah. 
yeah, thanks again for coming on. Um, I'd like to give you the opportunity to uh, to plug anything you want to plug, let people know where they can find you or just kind of remind people who you are if you'd like. Perfect. Yeah, no, Britain, it's been absolutely brilliant. And I really enjoyed the the opportunity to chat to you on the, the podcast. I I love storytelling. I love meeting new people. I love talking as as you'll have gathered. So mm-hmm. I, I do love hearing from people. Um, you can find me on Twitter. For those of you who are on Twitter, I'm at Column from Cork because I'm proud of my Cork heritage. Um, the, the higher ed podcast that I have is Adventures in Advising. And it's not just about um, academic advising. We speak to um, faculty members. We speak to um, student support professionals. We speak to students as well about their experiences of higher ed. Higher ed. Um, and you can find Adventures in Advising. I think we're on every single pla- uh, podcast platform. Um, you can also find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Advising Podcast. And for any of you who enjoy the NFL, if you're a fan of the Denver Broncos, check out Broncos Europe. Or if you're a fan of any other team, um, I also am involved in the Irish NFL podcast. So um, again, at Column from Cork on Twitter, and we'll have a bit of banter about the NFL. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will definitely be checking all those out and I'll be putting all those down in the description so you guys can hear them as well. So uh, yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really glad to have you on here. And, you know, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed having our, our friend from the Emerald Isles on here. It's always a pleasure to hear from other voices from around the world. But um, yeah, I think that, that I think that pretty much covers it. So I hope all of you enjoyed the episode. It was definitely a lot of fun and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, thank you again to our guests and, and to all of you who are tuning in. And uh, thanks for you know all the support that you guys give on every on every episode. Thanks again to Faith for for donating to this podcast. Uh, you know, a, a monthly subscription, which again is not necessary or ob- or obligatory, but I greatly appreciate it all the same. Thanks again to our sponsor, Anchor, and and uh, you know all all the that you do in terms of financial investment of this podcast. And um, yeah, that's all I have for you guys. So I hope to hear from you next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. Mm-hmm.